Hi folks, welcome to Touch Podcast. This is Nate and Ryan. And today's guest is Dr. Bill Stephen. He has a Master's of Divinity, a Doctor of Theology, and a PhD. As a sex educator and therapist, he's an ordained minister at the American Baptist Churches of the USA. He's a licensed psychologist and an AASECT certified sexuality educator and therapist. Um, this guy is pretty amazing. And he's been the uh, past executive director of the Center for Sexuality and Religion, an organization that's dedicated to facilitating dialogue between the field of sexology and various other uh, uh, academic pursuits, medical and religious systems. For 28 years, he was affiliated with the University of Pennsylvania, started and led their human sexuality program. And in 1998, that program moved to Widener University in Chester, Pennsylvania. That's where he was a professor and director of the graduate programs in human sexuality. And during those 10 years, uh, that program grew from a, a master's program to a doctoral program. Yep, here at Touch Podcast, we really know how to pick them. And this guy is a badass. Where this conversation starts up, it's we've already been talking to Dr. Bill Stevens for about 25 minutes. And he's been working in the area of sexuality for decades, so he's offering some really important insights that a lot of us haven't heard unless we were in his advanced sexuality class. All that to say, we should be feeling smarter in this episode. A quick warning, this episode includes some explicit sexual references, so you may want to turn it up. So tell what what do you think? So many years as a sex educator and a faith person, and even today, what are people of faith getting wrong about sex? And then we can talk about how you've worked to fix it. Well, one of the things that happened in one of my classes at the University of Pennsylvania is that I had a group of evangelicals that took my sex education course. And they immediately re- re- rebelled and said, what, what do you do with the Bible? You're throwing out the Bible. You're doing all this about the Bible. So I said, well, bring your Bibles next week and we'll talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> and wish they I never. Started, I started a course with the Bible and sexuality. And I love it because there's so much that you can get from this. But one of the things I learned is that there are really basically two different within religions, and that's whether it's Hebrew, Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, whatever, there are basically two types of theologies. One is based upon the acts of sex, and that's the one I was brought up with, and many people were that it's the act of sex itself that creates uh, positive moral values or negative moral values. And so that then masturbation was immoral and, you know, homosexuality was immoral and sex outside of marriage was immoral and birth control, blah, 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 all on was immoral. And, uh, And so, you know, it made everything immoral. And if you're taught that, and then you get married, which I did, 
all of a sudden you're to turn that switch off and turn a new switch on that says now have a good time as long as you're procreating. And so what happens is the switch just doesn't work well for many people. And so that's, that's a theology that I've been very anti because there's another theology that's as, just as ancient, just as biblical, has just as good um, spokespersons throughout history. And that is that sex is really about the nature of our relationships. And that what is moral or immoral are not the acts of sex, but really the, the consequences and the way we treat it. Um, that's what is moral or immoral. So the same thing can be immoral in one relationship and moral in another. So, and, and the leader there, in my judgment, is Jesus. Jesus never said a thing about the acts of sex. He really talked about the nature of our relationships. And that's what he taught. And so I'm really a follower of Jesus in that sense um, around sex. Because not only did I think he have, do I think that he had a great sex life, but, but, uh, <laughs> but I think that uh, he taught me to have a great sex life too. Oh, I'm reacting. <laughs> Nate is reacting. I was on yeah. mute. Sorry, I had you on mute, buddy. Hold on a second. I got to capture these reactions in real time, man. All right. I just heard someone say Jesus is having sex. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hold on a second. All right. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with both of you guys. Like, I've, I've heard these teachings before, right? I know it's been kind of floating around. And so it's nothing new. But for some reason, right. at this point in my life, I'm more receptive to let all these nuggets in. And this was a first time for me to, hmm. Wow. <clears throat> Ryan? <laughs> so, so some so, of our listeners, yeah, yeah. What do we do with all this? Yeah, what do we do? Well, what do first we do of all, it? what happens in our culture? And it's a cultural thing because it goes beyond our religions. It gets into our politics that there's a great deal of anxiety around sexuality. And the basis of that anxiety, cultural anxiety, which is both conscious and unconscious, uh, is that first of all, we value around sexuality, we value ignorance. Uh, it's better not to know, so that we want kids to stay pure or ignorant as long as possible. And, and so we're against bringing children up to really love sex, their bodies, uh, sexual activity, etc. Instead, there's, they're brought up to be suspicious. And so we value ignorance. The second thing is that we also value secretiveness. We don't really talk at a very deep level about sex at any level with, with even the people we're closest to. We don't share our deepest thoughts, fantasies, experiences, um, judgments, whatever. We just, we're taught to be secretive. So that that becomes then a dangerous thing. And then the third thing is that all of this makes us also 
as a culture, sexually traumatized. We're traumatized by the negative messages that we got, the abstinence until marriage, for example, the don't do it, the just say no, so that everything is negative until you get married and then all of a sudden you're supposed to throw a switch and that's when the switch doesn't work and that's traumatic. Plus, you've also got the trauma of people's personal experiences that may have been negative or scary or forced or whatever. So you've got messages, you've got experiences, you've got all these things that are traumatic in, in our life. Now, how do we reduce that? That becomes the task of, a, of, of us in the field. And one, if we're gonna reduce ignorance, we have to build knowledge. And so I'm a great advocate of sex education starting at birth. Um, and so I think knowledge is really basic. Second, we have to combat secretiveness by helping people to become comfortable talking about sex. That there's nothing difficult about talking about it. Part of the problem is that we have so much shame and guilt around our own thoughts or experiences or whatever uh, that, that we, we just don't talk about it very much. So I spend a lot of time trying to build communication that it becomes as easy to talk about sex as going to the store and getting bread and milk, as long as it's healthy bread and good milk. <laughs> um, then we need to also reduce the trauma by providing positive messages. The body is good. The body is, is created for pleasure. Our bodies are created for pleasure. We know as sex therapists in working with people, for example, are quadriplegic, that we can eroticize any part of the body so that we can eroticize the entire body. It's, it's a total erotic organ. Well, if God created us to be totally pleasure-oriented and erotic, then it was, is cruel to say that God doesn't want this or that it has to be curbed in some way. It has to be curbed in terms of, terms of our, our values around the nature of our relationships. That's my judgment. So we have to provide both positive messages and positive experiences. Like in my class, I'm teaching a class starting this Sunday, in fact, here in, uh, in Pennsylvania, with uh, junior hires. Uh, and one of the things we're going to talk about right away is masturbation, that this is good and healthy and really enjoy it, you know. Um, it's safe, you know. You can't do it too much because then your body just doesn't do it. And so we try to give positive messages. Wait, wait, wait. And wait. I just have to ask this question really quick. So, so you're not teaching them that if you play with it, it's going to fall off like how I learned? Because that's what I got. Like, it's just going to fall off. Boom. Yeah, I and heard, about, I heard it that you, you would grow hair on your palms. That's what they, that's what they well, were saying told, on the playground. I was, told, I was told you got warts. And I had warts on my hands. And my grandmother said, just put bacon on it and then bury the bacon. And they went away. <laughs> and they did go away. I don't have any warts on my hands now. 
And I still masturbate, so, you know. <laughs> well, here's the question. How, how much masturbation is too much masturbation? Whether you're 13, 30, or 80. Well, when I started masturbating, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know, I, I didn't even know what I was doing. All I know is that all of a sudden, I had this body fluid coming out of me, and I thought it was my guts. So that's when I started going to church. I don't know why I hooked it up with God, but I did. And so every time I would masturbate, I would pray, may I never do this again. Um, and then I started dying daily, and then every day, and then several times a day, and I didn't die. But I kept praying. And uh, so what I learned uh, from that is that my spirituality and my sexuality were very much aligned. And that what happened was that my church tried to bifurcate them, tried to make them separate. You can't enjoy the body and the spirit at the same time. You have to give up the body to embrace the spirit you have to give up the spirit if you're going to embrace the body. And that's such a horrible message and is so far from my theological thinking about the nature of relationships because my relationship, you know, Jesus gave a great teaching that was his, his teachings from, from uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And behind that, you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. You have to love yourself first, because then you love your neighbor as yourself. That's a really, really profound message. So that one of the things I teach, and I want people to understand, is that we really have to make friends and lovers of our bodies if we're going to make friends and lovers with other persons. Speaking of masturbation, let's take a break. Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always call us at 678-685-1010 or email us at info at touchpodcast.com. You could also check out our site. You could also check out our site at touchpodcast.com, our contact page, where there's links to our Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, and Twitter. Or if you want to be really awesome and support us financially, maybe like a dollar or ten dollars a month, you can go to patreon.com slash touchpodcast. That's where you can help us. Well, you can support us with your gift, and that will go into doing season two. If you want to know where it goes. No, I will not go to my private plane and my trips to Aruba. Nope, that's not where that money is coming from. That's coming from my side hustle. My side hustle of um, inventing different shapes for post-its. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. I'm going to ask... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, how do you... I'm going to ask a question, then I'll unmute... Nate, sorry, Nate. Um, 
how do you, in a, in a, a, a therapeutic context, how do you help someone who has been taught to loathe their body, who believe that they're, there's nothing good about anything that their body does, they hate their genitals, you know, how, where do you start with people like that? Okay. Who, who First just, of all, they throw the Bible at you. <laughs> right, right. And there's they the throw the Bible at you and all the don'ts, which the Bible doesn't say, by the way. Um, so I start with, well, you know, one of the things that Jesus taught, and this is in all three of the, uh, the synoptic gospels, as well as John, uh, to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, so that it, you can't love anybody else. You can't love God. You can't love your neighbor until you love yourself, so that one of the first lessons is that they have to learn to be a lover to themselves. And so I try to start with having them just touch their face. And can you, can you learn to love your, your face? And what part of your body are you comfortable with that you can really love? And then I try to get them move closer and closer to their genitalia. And I also tell them, that they can eroticize any part of their body. You can eroticize your armpit, you can eroticize your hands, you can eroticize your feet, and uh, that which Jesus did. I mean, when he... So we're going to skip a little bit of this conversation, but this is uh, Bill talking about Jesus having his feet washed by Mary Magdalene and, of course, uh, washes other people's feet. Okay, back to the story. I mean, that was erotic. I get erotic just thinking about it, you know. <laughs> and and so we introduce foot washing, for example, in our church, and uh, the sensuality of it. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Wait, wait. <laughs> we have to hit the brakes here because I have been a camp pastor before, a youth minister. I've been in youth groups. I've had my share of foot washings. I know how those go down. I thought it was supposed to be about servanthood, and 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 yes. It was sexy when I was like washing the feet of, you know, a, a girl, right? And or I was a guy. like, or a guy, you know, you're right. I was just afraid to admit that. Absolutely right. Okay. So like even now, like I'm, I'm on the other side of 40 now and I'm still having a hard time just simply admitting that, that that happened in church. I'm still disassociating what all those first washings could have been. I feel like I've missed out on them now. Yeah. Well, one of the first things that we did in the ecumenical movement when I was a pastor was, um, and it was during the time that the ecumenical movement began, we were told to uh, develop relationships with the Catholic Church and the Catholic youth. So we started a camp for Protestant and Catholic kids, and we had foot washing at these camps. And I'll tell you, it was really mind-blowing. And so we talked about the sensuality of this, as well as the sacredness and the beauty of, of a servanthood, uh, that, that this was a total life experience, which includes the body as well as the spirit, and that they become integrated. Uh, Ryan, I, how are you responding to this, man? This is new stuff to me. Is it just me? How are you doing over there? 
I hope you're getting eroticized, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I well, you did it again. Bill, Dr. Bill, yeah. you did it again, man. I didn't want to admit that, but yeah, I'm getting kind of, you know, like when you describe that part about feeling your face and everything, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm glad that folks can't see me feeling my face or my thighs right now. This is nice. Well, I have enough of good, uh, not good. Um, I have, en I have enough programming from my religious heritage to be suspicious, right? To have a knee-jerk reaction toward um, trying to help teenagers be feel, feel erotic feelings or have erotic thoughts um, because of, of my tradition, which would have, I guess the underlying fear would be if we acknowledge our sexual feelings and in any way encourage them, then just a great big orgy would, <laughs> would like happen right then and there in front of everybody. And, and you know, all hell literally would break loose and sexual That's fluids the in the youth group. Yeah. That's the fear. That's the fear. The but the fear doesn't work out in reality. What it does is make kids more aware of what they're experiencing and what they're going through and what they want to have in terms of a satisfying, happy uh, sexuality uh, experience. So that what happens is that kids become more responsible. They become more attuned to thinking ahead than just experiencing in the moment. I okay. Now, that's where knowledge really builds uh, builds a desire. What we find is our kids wait longer because we also teach them that we want whatever they do sexually to be consensual. That there's nothing that's forced. There's nothing that's just unequal. That it, there's an equality of the people, the participants and that it's consensual and that it's safe, that whatever they're going to do, that it needs to be safe, both safe in terms of people's feelings, as well as disease, as well as pregnancy, et cetera. And that it's safe and consensual and that it's meaningful. And it's a building of relationships that makes them feel good for themselves and for the other person, and that they should be as interested in what the other person is experiences, experiencing as they are themselves. So this is where it begins to be important to teach what are the sexual and erotic response cycle issues that people go through. And one of the things we know is that this happens evolutionary wise in our in our in our lives that is um the first we thing we do is we experience arousal that just happens naturally it can happen in our sleep it can happen while we're just sitting studying math or whatever uh we we feel these feelings so that the arousal feelings are the first things that kids are going to be aware of yeah and a function and of that, our and those are a function of our autonomic nervous system. We don't have control over right. that, that. It's like breathing. But, or 
but they're pleasurable or they can be pleasurable. If we're not, one of the things people are taught to fear them and that becomes then a block for them is that they fear these feelings. So one of the things I want to do is teach them to welcome it. This is, this is what God intended and that there are ways that you can then experience these arousal feelings like when you're alone you can masturbate um and so then that builds up that you can get in touch with there are a number of things that play into this all my senses my sensations so that i i can smell sex i can taste it i can feel it i can see it and i can hear it so that all my senses become alive as I'm growing up and becoming used to this. And I need to appreciate that rather than feel that those are bad. I don't want to hear the sounds of sex. I don't want to smell it. I don't want to, you know, or we're taught that the other person smells like women smell like what? Um, Fish. (laughs) Well, I I just want to bring up what I'm feeling right now, Bill Staten, just to kind of uh, underline what you've just said. Um, my body is having some feelings right now. And I just want to voice that so that the listeners out there can get accustomed to listening to themselves. Okay. So first off, when I'm hearing you guys discuss sexuality and consent, I'm immediately feeling threatened because this is not an atmosphere that I was able to have. And so out of jealousy and out of, um, just not understanding it, um, I feel like my cage is being rattled, right? That's what it feels like. And it is, but, mm-hmm. go ahead. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Okay. You don't have to be a pasteurizer. That is, everything is from the past. You can yes. be a, a nowizer and a, a futurizer. Okay, I'm with you. Uh, so that one of the things is that giving up, you have to kind of let go of that past. It's, it's over. You can't do a thing about it. You can't relive it. You can't. So, you know, it's not going to do you any good. Okay. So the thing is to then, so what do I have that I can begin to enjoy? And you've got it. You know, smell your hand, especially after it's been in your crotch. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I love this podcast so much. (sighs) Keep going, please. and, And so, and you can love the taste, you know. Have you ever tasted your own cum? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. Man, Ryan, you didn't tell me that I had to like adjust to to Bill, man. He's like light years ahead of me. I got (laughs) Wow. Ryan, how are you responding to this? So I'm listening. Let me, let me continue because getting in touch with all of our senses is really important. And part of the problem is that we teach children to deny their senses. And so that sex looks bad, sex smells bad, sex tastes bad, sex feels bad, you know, so that we teach the senses to turn them off. And that is going to be the forerunner of sexual dysfunction that the fewer senses that we use, the more we're led into sexual dysfunction. 
the 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 more senses that we uh, grow and promote and and nurture, the less problems we're going to have with sexual function. Let's pause it there. Hey, Nate, did you, you were going to ask me a question. So, Ryan, how are you feeling about this conversation with Dr. Bill Staten? How am I feeling? I feel good. Um, he definitely is taking us places that uh, our other guests have not taken us. And, um, yeah, I mean, if we want to give and receive oral pleasure, um, but then, we'll, you know, we, what is good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah, so... Ryan, I remember how you introduced Dr. Bill Staten to me. It, it kind of caught me off guard. So, I was having a dialogue with you about what type of resources are available for rich people. And later, another time when we got together, uh, you showed me a DVD that you got from uh, the pastor at your church. Yeah, that's Pastor Melanie. And, yeah, because Bill, when he was in Atlanta, had... Uh, and at Morehouse was uh, a member of our church, and he had created these these sexual education DVDs. And this DVD is hosted by Dr. Bill Staten. And in between his hosting spots, there were segments of sex, like yeah. <laughs> real sex that was yes. people having yes whoopee right there and I for a moment I thought wait a minute am I watching is this porn right now am I watching porn right now like it yeah very it, it, very explicit it was that yeah. type of um, blatantness and I was caught off guard I didn't think there would be any thing like this found in a church much less um, framed by an ordained minister but there you have it that's Dr. Bill Staten yeah he is uh, he is definitely on the edge a good edge for us and we'll be hearing more from him this summer. Sorry we had to pause the conversation right there. Hey, if you like this podcast, will you review it right now on iTunes? Open it up in iTunes, review the podcast, give us a big fat five, because the way these things work, without great reviews on iTunes, other people can't find it. So help us out. Review us. SoundCloud, iTunes. Google Play or anywhere you find podcasts and music. We'd also love it if you'd like us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow us, tag us, tweet to us. We'll tweet you back. Call us or email us. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to talk about, shoot us an email at info at touchpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>